Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back, we're black, we're brown, ambition, 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 hey, 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 BA fam, Mandy officially had her baby, she is now mother of uno, dos, two beautiful boys, Rio is her first, I think Rio's four now, and Remy, the new baby, we love an alliteration queen, Rio and Remy, um, and mommy and baby and daddy and Rio are all doing really well, so you can catch up with Mandy at Mandy Money on Instagram, you know, send her some well wishes, she has the cutest picture of the baby, the baby is perfection, uh, but Mandy's doing good, she's taking her break. Um, and so, you know, we wish her well and all this love, but I am here in the stew acting up because you know when Mandy's not here, I get to act up, um, but I'm not alone. I have a special guest in here with me today to keep me partially in line. <laughs> and her name is Paige. Paige is a real estate broker and a house flipping expert. Paige Turner, to be clear, lends her expertise to Southern California's overwhelmed flippers in HGTV's Fix My Flip. So, you know, she'd be on the TVs and things. Paige made her HGTV debut on Flipper Flop Nashville and appears as a guest judge on the hit series Rock the Block. In addition to being, lic- to be a, to being a licensed real estate broker in three Uno Dos Trace, three states, Paige is a certified personal trainer and co-owner of The Jopa Life, a fitness and clothing brand. She also completed um, in season four of Rock the Block alongside contractor Mitch Glue. So we welcome Paige to the stew. Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, breathing from all that. Thank you so much. <laughs> we love an impressive queen. We love our extra hyphenated, impressive queen. So question, you know, so fitness and real estate, those are two totally different things. So what came first? What was your, what was your, your first foray? Well, first was real estate. I've been a licensed real estate broker just about 20 years. So that's been my girl, my right hand woman. And then I realized I have to stay fit to stay in this business. So I came afterwards. So 20 years, so that means you started when you were five, because if you guys could take a look on YouTube, Paige looks 25. So, um, okay, 20 years. 20 years, I just hit the um, half century marks, Tiffany. So wow. I'm still coming to, um, I'm still, I, I'm in disbelief that I'm 50. So, <laughs> so am I, sis, because I'm like 50 where? What? Like, you're 50? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm 43, but you don't look a day over like 25, 30, for real. I'm like. And you look nowhere near 43. <laughs> because the skin is skinning. Okay. I'm like. Yes! 
let's talk about real estate, right? So 20 years ago, how did you enter into the real estate game? Like, how did that even start for you? Well, I am, well, my kids are super adults, but I was a single mom, three kids under the age of three, two of them were twins, three girls at that. So you already know, Miss, you know, Budgetista, my money was out the window for a long time. And um, I, I just had to find a way. I, I, I opted out of college, could have gone, I decided not to. And then I had a great job with Magic Johnson, but then I had three children in Los Angeles. And I was like, <sighs> I'm afraid I'm going to be struggling for the rest of my life. And I just had to find another way outside of the hourly, you know, or even, you know, salaried position, you know, to raise my girls with everything I wanted to provide for them. And real estate became an option. I was didn't know anybody who owned a house besides Magic Johnson in Los Angeles because they're so expensive. And this is 30 years ago, they were still expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I found real estate. Somebody just said, you'd be a great realtor. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but you know, cause I've been renting my whole life. So let me go check it out. And I did. Okay. So you started off as a realtor. Yes. Do you remember your very first sale and like what you made? Like what, you know, it was, was it a rental property that you rented out? Was it a house? You know, what did that look like? It was, his name was Henry. I forgot his last name, but it was a trailer in a trailer park community. Mm. I didn't even realize the land didn't come with the trailer. <laughs> I said, that's the biggest house I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm just reading the box and I don't own the land, but I have to buy the box. Anyway, another, a whole other segment, right? But um, that was my first sale and it, I think it was around $20,000. And so that 3%, about, you know, 600 bucks. <laughs> wow, but did it make you say like, wait, I could do this. Like how long into like you starting to become a realtor did you make that sale? Um, it was probably in the first six months. And then after that, I had my feet wet and I only knew, I just moved to Nashville, I only knew three people, maybe five people at that time. And I went to a great church. And so after that hump, my first year and a half in real estate, I mean, I bought a house the next year, everything just like has been going since then. Doesn't mean there weren't any valleys in all my peaks because real estate is in peaks and valleys, as you know. Um, but that, that was my first launch. And that's when I realized that when you run your real estate business as a business, then you learn all facets of real estate. So I can sell a $10,000 piece of land to a $20,000 trailer to a $5 million house. I learned the business of real estate. Okay, I love that. Cause I was gonna say, I know a lot of my friends who are like realtors, but you know, like they, it's only on the side. And so it's, you know, it, and it's difficult to be a full-time on two different, totally different professional, professional, you know, profession. So um, no, I, I I could see that, that like if you make realty your business, like selling and real estate your business, how you can expedite the process of the learning curve. So do you remember your biggest sale where you were like, oh my goodness, this is the biggest, yeah. most expensive thing? Well, I mean, the most expensive, you know, I live in Los Angeles now, so, you know, but in Nashville at the time, my biggest sale, because I've been back home in LA for four years, so my biggest sale in Nashville at the time, as my career was growing, was about two and a half million. Okay. You know, and it, that's, well, not really anymore, but at that time it was really big in Nashville. Everything's expensive now, you know, so. <laughs> but that was huge for me coming up. And you know, out here, I hit the, I thought, should I tell you? I guess I- Girl, town spill the tea. It's not, big. it's not even that big yet, you know, but I, I've done a $5 million transaction. Okay. So, you know, I'm, they're, they're, that's the tip of the iceberg in LA though. You yeah. know, now I'm back home and I'm licensed and my show is going. I'm like, okay, now it's time to really get my feet wet. 
No, I love that. So, so if someone, what are some of the, cause right now we are in a very weird, mar- I love your take, like the market that we're in now, I feel like, you know, people are wanting to buy a home. They're like, should I wait? Should I buy now? Is the, should I wait for the interest rate to drop? Should I just refinance? You know what I mean? Like, so what's your take on this current housing market? Is it a buyer's market? Is it seller's market? Is it neither? So what's your take on this current market? Oh, this take, it's neither. It's right in between. You know what it is? It, it's selling real estate. So I tell people, I'll answer one of your questions first. Okay. Should I buy a house now or not? This is my take on that. If you're in a position to buy a home and if it makes more sense to own than to rent at this time in your life, then buy the house. Just don't buy the house thinking in six months you're gonna make a $400,000 you know, um, profit off of it because that's not there anymore. Buy the home to live in it, to love it, to do whatever you need to do, if anything, as far as you know, any renovations are, but buy the home for the long term. That's five to ten years. That's what it used to be. Not this you just pull up in a house and then in six months it's worth, you know, three hundred thousand dollars more. That was I mean, it was realistic, but also unrealistic way to build wealth in real estate because it had never happened before. But that was due to historically low interest rates. But then that also caused the values to go up to a historic high. So the two and three percent are probably long gone. Six percent, six and a half percent, even seven is not the end of the world. When I bought my house, we were at eight and a half percent interest rates back in the early 2000s. You go back 10, 10 years before that, they were in the double digits and it was normal. If you're ready to buy, you buy. Okay, so it's neither a seller's market or a buyer's market. It's just basically kind of like it's a free for all. And so yeah, we're and ready to buy. Are, you know, because there's some bubbles still. Florida, I would think people were running from Florida, but that bubble is still growing. Ohio, I mean, these are growing bubbles still in a seller's market. So it just really depends on where you are. But for the most okay. part, I think we're at this even balance where properties are staying longer on the market longer than 24 hours. You know, it's like, oh, 30, 60, 90 days on market. That used to be normal. And then at the same token, buyers aren't rushing out to buy, but sellers aren't rush, rushing to sell. So okay. we're doing this right now. Cause I live in New Jersey. And so I have seen like homes go for, I mean, for a long time, homes have been going for 50 to like a hundred thousand over asking. And now just, it's still a little crazy in Jersey. So it, it is one of the markets where there's still quite this bubble where things are not staying on the market. Like, it's not like what it was during the pandemic when it was super crazy. I mean, they weren't even hitting the market. Things were just being bought off market. Yeah, I mean, a lot of new realtors who, you know, have had their license maybe under five years, they don't even know what DOM days on market means. Mm. That means your house is on the market for an average of 30, 60, 90 days. Not- <laughs> before it hits or 24 hours after it hits the market. They don't know, you know, and I feel kind of bad for some realtors who are newer in this business because with all due respect, realtors do a lot of work, but houses were selling themselves for a yeah. long time. And now we have to get back to marketing, get back to promoting, you know, promoting a property, doing open houses. And um, it's the real business of real estate. I love that. So I want, I would love for you to give some advice to like two sides, right? So people are selling their property, whether now or whenever, what are the biggest mistakes that you see sellers make and the reason why their houses don't sell? Like, you know, what are those mistakes? And I'd love to know what are some of the biggest mistakes that buyers are making when they're looking to purchase and what they can do to fix it. So let's start with sellers first. Someone comes to you and says, hey Paige, I want to sell my house. I think it's worth a bajillion dollars or whatever it is. Like, what are your things where you're like, Lord, we're going to have to 
course correct before we put this on the market? Like what are mistakes our sellers making? Tiffany, you put that perfectly. The biggest, well, the first mistake, which is the biggest, is an unrealistic profit margin of where the market is and thinking their home is worth more than it is and going to Zillow or, you know, another, I'll just say, I won't, I won't pinpoint Zillow. I'll just say a .com who doesn't have accurate updates immediately as your licensed real estate professional will from doing a hands-on comp. You know, you've heard the saying, you know, I lie, you lie, numbers don't lie. So you have to course correct. You have to sit down and do a real listing presentation and show the numbers of the last, I don't even go six months back anymore for a comp. I'm doing the last 30 to 60 days because the market has changed that much. You know, if you give me a comp from six months ago, I was like, that's a completely different market. January was a different market. March was a different market. We're in second quarter now. So what was going on at the end of first quarter? That's what I'm showing clients. So first, an unrealistic expectation of where the market is and being able to console them that your house is not worth what it was then and this is why. So well, what, can we get clear? Can you start paying? What's a comp? Just so people know it before you move oh, on. So a comp, or you might have heard CMA, comparative market analysis. So a comp is when a real estate professional will pull the most recently sold properties within the immediate community, like within a mile and a mile and a half search of properties that have closed. Now, I also comp active and pending properties because that gives us an idea of where sellers slash agents are listing a property and like what the marketing is in that neighborhood when they're active. But just because you list a property for sale does not mean it closes at that price. So what's most important that an appraiser is going to run and look at as well is to see what has closed within those last 60 days, let's say, um, not comparing apples to oranges, um, a, a property that's a comp that's most like your subject property, the listing that you're going after. Okay. So like like bedrooms to bedrooms, bathrooms to bathrooms, square footage? Stories to stories. So you don't want to, you, you can't comp apples to oranges. So you can't comp a two-story house that has 5,000 square feet to a one-story house that has 1,500 square feet. Now I can do it because I know how to make adjustments, but it's just not a, it's not a fair analysis to provide to a seller. So you want to be as close to possible as you can to show that seller what's going on in their neighborhood with homes just about like theirs. So one, you said sellers make the mistake of thinking their property is worth too much. What's another mistake that sellers might be making? Another mistake is relying on the dot-coms instead of their real estate professional and not looking at a printed (laughs) comparable market analysis of what's going on in their media market and then digesting it and saying and accepting the truth like okay here are the numbers like i can't make these up this is what these homes sold for most like yours and this is where you are okay okay what about do you think like sellers should they be staging like professionally staging or just even just personally staging Oh, we can go on to number three, four, and five mistakes they're making. So yes. <laughs> so properly present, okay, accepting that we're in this new market, number one. Number two, properly positioning the property on the market to sell it so that it doesn't sit. You know, at the end of the day, a buyer is going to determine what any house is worth purchasing, what they're willing to pay for it, right? So that's number two. Number three, how they're presenting their property. Okay. So that does go with staging. Now, if they have a beautiful home already and we can just move some knickknacks around, declutter, you know, do those basic things, maybe lighten up some paint, change a few light fixtures, you know, not going overboard all the, all, um, the time is necessary. Um, but sometimes you need a full on staging company. And especially to say the house is vacant. I have a client right now. I had, I'm sorry, I just 
had a flashback. I was about to roll my eyes and say some things, but just in case she watches this, you know, <laughs> I brought in, not only did I have to send her, and I have a television show on it, and sometimes people just get so, you know, they put on their blinders and they just get so stubborn that they just won't accept any other way. And staging is a huge way to add a buyer value uh, interest-wise in your property when listing it. And when it's vacant, especially in a challenging home that might have, you know, just odd angles or an odd layout, you have to spend the money to stage it to get the top dollar as close to as possible that you're shooting for. Okay. All right. So, so they don't position their, they don't position their property correctly. What else? Um, we can go into sometimes sellers want to over renovate a property before they sell it because they think they're going to get more money. Now this will go hand in hand with guess what, how you're going to list the property on the market based on your comp. Because when a real estate professional is doing a comp, they're not just looking at the numbers, they're also looking at what renovations and upgrades have been added to a property to get to that list price. Okay. So, it, so it's not always needed you know, to do this full renovation because you don't wanna outprice yourself from your comp, from your market area. So you know, again, walking through with a real estate professional will help that as well. So what's that, number four or five, Tiffany? Yeah, like four or five. So you mean something like, um, I remember my um, my realtor told me something to the effect of like, you know, like I would, I, you know, of course you think to yourself, if I spend $100,000 on the kitchen, I'm going to get back 100000 She's like, uh-uh. That you, it's not 100 to 100, that you might renovate for 100 and get back 60% of that as it results in like the increase of value. So where would you say if a seller was going to put the money toward renovating, is it still bathrooms and kitchens or are we thinking something else now? Well, Sure, of course, it's bathrooms and kitchens. It's if you can open up a space, if you're in an older home, of course, open that space up. But it shouldn't exceed 15% of your ARV, after repair value of your home. Okay. Now, if we're going to do a full kitchen renovation, add an extra 5% on top of that. So you, okay. you really shouldn't be in for more than 20% of what the value is going to be when you're done with repairs. And of course, let's just say it is at the top of 20%. Well, let's see now, what do we have to do? Because you don't want to spend it all if you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You might be able to, you know, bring it back a little bit and just do, you know, odds and ends here and there just to have a better presentation on the market. Mm. And so, so bathrooms, if you can expand a closet in a, in a primary bedroom, absolutely. Light fixtures, paint. If you have old school vinyl, you might want to consider tile. But okay. if that's not in the budget, then you just have to do what's best for your market area. And also, too, I wonder if so. I, I just bought a condo. Um, it's beautiful. Hundred year old. Bill. I love historic. Um, like my, my home, I, I I own a house and it was built like a hundred years ago, like 1919. And then, and then, but I also bought a condo um, not too far from my house and it's beautiful. And it was built like 95 years ago. And it's, I don't know, there's a, a the, there's a, a condo in New York hall. I think it's called the Dakota. And so this was supposed to be like back in the day, it's in Newark, New Jersey in the Forest Hill section. This was supposed to be like the, the answer to the Dakota in Newark. Um, and so, but it's really beautiful. You could tell it was like, top tier luxury because my condo is 2,800 square feet, five bedrooms, three and a half bath. Yeah, fireplace, a huge picture window to New York City. So this was supposed to be like where the the wealthy, you know, like, yeah. So I loved it for that reason. And plus I, I, um, I, I, I've lived in Newark for the last, I don't know, like 10, 15 years. And I love living next to the city without living in the city. Um, and so anyway, I bought it. And so I remember the part, the woman who I bought it from, I want to say that she purchased it, I think from the city or like a tax deed or whatever she purchased it. And then she renovated it. Um, 
I don't know how much she put into it, but um, the, to your point, the mistakes, one of the mistakes she made is that she priced it super high. So I saw that she had purchased it for 375. I think give or take, cause I know the, I know the guy who did the renovations, it was about a hundred thousand dollars with, with materials that she put into it. So you figure six, um, 375, 475, she put on the market for, um, six seventy five. So she's trying to make two hundred thousand dollars during like pandemic when things were selling. But the issue with condos are HOA fees. Mm-hmm. And so you think to yourself, even if you could afford the condo itself, the bank is also like, nah, ah, 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 ah. you can you also afford? Because the HOA fees are not inexpensive. I'm always candid. Mine are nearly thirteen hundred dollars. You know, and so so she kept it too long at that price point. Um, then she dropped it down to six fifty. But I feel like all of her drop downs were months too late. You know, and then that she dropped it down. To, you're too late. You yes, know? You missed, and so you then she dropped it down to five seventy five, and then then she dropped it down to um, five forty or five fifty. And that's when I came along and I tried to offer. 470, which she was not happy about. Cause I was like, it's cash. But <laughs> yes, girl, yes, cash. Yes. First of all, I celebrate you for that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you um, know? Yeah, yeah. You know, people so, they, they don't they they. I, this is what I tell people when they're when we have to do the first price drop because they don't listen to me in the beginning. I yes. said, would you pay this much for this house at this amount in this time? Yes. Easy question. If the answer is absolutely not, then we're priced too high. Yes. And I think that she. Because she knows, like one, like um, um, and there's a a train station that's gonna be going directly to like um, New York. Well, New- Newark already has a number of train stations, but there's a new station that they're building down the street that's gonna go directly to New York. So I think it was all these things. It's like you know you can't recreate this building, and I understand all those things. But I'm like, girl, it's still Newark. I love Newark, but it's still Newark. You tried it, um, and so I got her down to five twenty because I was paying, like I said. Uh, and so, but I love. I mean, this I don't plan on um uh, selling. This is something to add to my trust, and my heirs will have it later. Um. And so that, I think that was a huge mistake. Plus it was odd though, cause she renovated it so specific to her top, her style. She's a textile, um, I guess like real, um, in re- textile uh, retail, I guess. And so everything was like really bright, bold patterns and every tile was different. Every, it was, so I also think one of the reasons why people didn't buy is because they didn't see like, I, cause I had just done a renovation. So I could see a lot of the renovation that was necessary was really just um, cosmetic, you know, because she had done the work, thank God, cause the place is a hundred years old. She had done all the electric and all the plumbing which that would have deterred me from buying it if I did not know that that had been done enough to code and we got to pull permits and I was like, great. So I was like, girl, some paint, some tile, I got that, you know? And so I was fortunate to purchase it. And then sure enough, another unit in the building just sold for um, uh, $5.50, just a a month after mine sold. I know they were happy because they got a comp. Yes, I was just thinking that they had a good comp. I know they was like, yes, because they're on the eighth floor and I'm on the second floor, although the building is on a hill. So the second floor is closer to like the sixth or seventh floor in the building. So that's why I have such great views. But so they're on the eighth floor. So they have these 360 views. And so, you know, um, but we're about the same size. But I just share all that to say, I feel like as a seller, she made all the mistakes that you're mentioning. And she maybe she could have gotten the 575 back then you know, had she dropped the price sooner. and But you know, I got this beautiful place that I get to keep. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. 
They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know we work hard and we play hard, but when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you-know-what I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. Do you ever have subscriptions that you forget about? I did. Mm-hmm. Do you have a hard time canceling those subscriptions because they seem tricky or time consuming? Raise your hand. I know it's you. Okay. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Yes. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I cancel it with a tap. I've never had to get on the phone with customer service in order to do so. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Okay. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash brownambition. That's rocketmoney.com slash brownambition, rocketmoney.com slash brownambition. So now that we've talked about sellers making mistakes, um, and maybe that's one too. Do you think, well, do you think this like, Unless you think someplace is going to be your forever home, how specific should people get with like making design choices? You know, well, that, like that should be, you know, one of our points. Thank you for bringing it up is, you know, selling when you renovated it so design specific to your taste instead of yeah. 
thinking that, you know, I might sell this in the next five years. So let me just renovate it for the market in something classic that will, you know, last. And then I can just decorate it like with my staging yeah. in my own taste. If, if this isn't going to be a forever home. And of course we buy real estate, you know, real estate's an asset. We don't know if we'll have to sell it one day or not. You know what I'm saying? But if you, most people know, like you said, I'm going to buy and hold this. You know, I don't have any intentions of selling it. So I can make it my own for now. But you know, in her case, it being so specific, that's a, so specific. a big detriment when you go to put on the market, especially so high. And you know it's high when you first list it. <laughs> you know, and as agents, you know, we're just like, okay, but let me just put in writing that you understand that this is not, you know, the, the list price I think you should be at so that you don't get mad at me. Because then they get mad and then I get fired, then you get to the next agent and they're going to list it where I told that's you. Exactly, that's exactly what happened. She had like three different agents and I was just, because I could see kind of like the record and I was just like, I guess she finally Difficult. got down to the price. Yes. It's just difficult and, so. and, and, and not living in reality of where the market is that your house is worth more than the market is calling for. So um, I think it, that it, it, it's very important to think about what your long-term goals are when you're renovating so that it's not so owner specific. Mm. And then it knocks you out, you know, she probably could have gotten more, but you know, when buyers walk in, they're thinking, okay, I love the unit. You know, you're a visionary. So when you're a visionary, it's much different for us, you know, but most buyers aren't. I would say 98% of buyers aren't visionary. So when they walk in and they already have this high price tag, you got them in. So the price tag didn't scare them. So that's good. But what scared them most was what am I going to have to do inside this apartment? Yes. You know, this condo, I should say, sorry, it's going to cost me even more than I have to pay with this high price tag. And, 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 you know, you have your good agents that are like, well, you know, but you can do this. You can do it, at, you know, over time. And then buyers are like, no, I want moving ready at this price point. This is too much. Plus the HOAs. Yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because, like I said, she brought it. I think I want to say she brought it like 2019, renovated 2020, and then put it on the market 2021. But it wasn't renovated in a way. I don't know what why she put it on the market because it wasn't renovated in a way that you would think someone. It wasn't a flip. It didn't feel like that. It felt very personal, you know, like tile from Argentina and, you know, like drapery from here. I mean, it was very specific. So I'm just really I don't like I said, I never got the backstory while she was um uh, selling it. Uh, but I just remember thinking, this person, whoever renovated this had not intended to sell it because it's just so specific. Um, so now let's dip into like, okay, now I'm a buyer and like, what can I do as a buyer to, because I feel like, well, she was really difficult, but I feel like as I was a cash buyer and I just feel like, you know, maybe we could have negotiated differently. Maybe I could have got it for a little less, but what can buyers do to get the best deal? Because one of the things I, I made the mistake of and I didn't listen to my agent. So, you know, I- Wait, why didn't you listen to her on? I need to know. Because, because I I told her, I think I told her, I no, I think that the first offer I put in was, um five of uh, 450. She was asking for 550 and she was like, girl, this lady is gonna be mad at you. I was like, ah, she's not gonna be mad. I put this cash. She was like, okay, but and she was, and I will say for the for a couple of months, she did not respond. <laughs> she was like, girl, go ahead, because she was, yeah, she even with a cash offer, she not even her their agent was like, we're not even gonna entertain this. And so my buyer, my agent told me that that it was a little on the low side where it might be offensive, and I just was like, it's been on the market for two years. I mean, it's a cash offer. I would at least think they would push back, but they didn't. It wasn't until no one, nothing else would go through that they kind of came back to the table to negotiate. So I know as a buyer that, you know, just as sellers want to go too high, buyers, I know that one of the mistakes is we want to go too low. And so like, what other mistakes do buyers make? 
You know, and I'm not so opposed with your offer. I'll tell you okay. why. It's okay. was sitting for two years. It's very okay. owner specific. I probably would have done the same thing. Here's the deal. I don't know, you know, if somebody's desperate on the other side of, you know, this transaction or not. So, okay. I don't want to say the worst I can do, but you know, the worst I can do is try, you know, $100,000. I mean, I've gotten deals like that before, you know? Um, now the other side of that coin is, well, it has been on the market for two years and she hasn't dropped it. So she's not that desperate. So now let's manage expectations. Okay. Um, now if I was the, if I was a seller's agent, I'd be like, you can't be mad because we've had the property on the market for two years. Of course they're going to lowball you because they don't know if you're desperate or not. You know, just counter back. This is when people say that, you know, you know, it's business, you know, not personal. All business is personal because money is very personal, you know. Um, and I also say, we well, you know, for to buyers, all transactions are cash at the end of the day. You know, when a seller closes, they're going to get cash in their bank account. Okay. Now, now. Cash deals also have or should have a little bit more, you know, um, um, controlling interest because it is cash because guess what some loans might not go through you might get to the closing table and the buyer went out and bought a new car and now their debt to income ratio is upside down so you know cash I definitely like to massage you know and I tell sellers that like listen let's be nice you know let's just counter back even if your counter back is back to your full list price just yeah. counter back you know let's take the emotional side out of it so on the buyer side you know that's really going to be house specific you know, um, that depends on a lot, but I'm not mad that you did that. I would have done the same thing Okay. with caution, like your agent told you what was gonna happen, it happened, so it's always 50-50. But I think that buyers, um, mistakes they make is that, are that, you know, they're not prepared, they need to be <laughs> prepared for reality as well. You know, um, depending on what market they're in. You know, because a property's been sitting on the market doesn't mean you can't ask for the stars, but it, you just have to be, you have to massage the negotiation. So if I'm going to offer less on a property, mm -hmm. then I'm going to have less contingencies, you know, or, you, but nowadays buyers are back to where they can ask for closing costs. They can ask for assistance again, you know? So, um, we can, we can, I can really go in 10 different ways with this, Tiffany, but I will say this with, um, with buyers, they need to be prepared for the counters for their closing costs, you know, talking about, you know, mistakes they make. They're not, the HOA fees, they have to consider that as well, you know, because it's not just in condos, it's in some subdivisions as well. Mm. And I like HOAs. Some people don't like HOAs, but I'm here for it because it just helps maintain your value and, you know, the condition of your neighborhood and building. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, other buyer mistakes would be, you know, um, Again, they have to live in reality as well, you know, with their finances, with how a house is positioned, not offering. Uh, I just helped uh, my sister with a house in Philly. I'm not licensed in Philly, but she was so enraged because somebody offered um, 30000 off her list price and asked for 8500 in closing costs. And I said, well, number one, you have anything else coming in. You have any other offers coming in. You can't be mad at them. You know, and so, but that that buyer's agent was a good buyer's agent. She said, let's do it. And guess what? My sister had to sell. So that buyer Okay, because you never know, I guess, unless you ask. She wanted me to come at like uh like uh four seventy, just to be like, you know. And I was just like, let's see. I mean, I didn't end up getting it, but I ended up getting like, you know, I, I know that what I I asked one of my friends who's a, a real estate um investor, and I was like, Well, what do you think? And he gave me some good advice. He said, One, Tiffany, like, is this where you're gonna be living? And I said, Yes, I really love this place. I'm my sister's gonna be taking my house and 
she's gonna be paying the carrying costs because that house is paid off. And so I was like, um, but I just wanna, you know, I don't wanna take care of a, a property like that anymore. Like, and I love, I love that this is all one floor without being, I don't like ranches, you know, but so this is one floor, but in a way that's attractive to me. Um, and it's around the corner. So I'm still right here in the neighborhood with all my friends and my family. Um, so I said, I'm not planning on, you know, selling. I mean, could I, potentially if something comes up, I might purchase something additional. Um, he said, okay. And then two, he was like, is this something where if it were to go, you'd be like, whatever, these are a dime a dozen. Cause you know, some homes, there's certain neighborhoods, these houses come up. And I said, no, this is a hundred year old. And he was like, Tiffany, he's like, I was gonna tell you that, but that's your business to say. He was like a hundred year old property, five bedrooms, three and a half bath, fireplace, 2,800 square feet. And he was like, you're right. It's not gonna come up again. I mean, unless it's in that building, which you know, but he was like the likelihood of this unit or something like this coming up again, um, it's probably not as likely. So you have to ask yourself that too. So these were some questions that he had me ask because I, I was feeling salty as well. I was like, oh, so she didn't wanna, now you wanna come back to the table. But I was like, girl, go ahead and get your house. <laughs> Stop being sassy. <laughs> <laughs> because someone, it was, I didn't know this, but it had been under contract and then it fell through because of the HOA fees that they could afford how much the house was worth, but they couldn't afford, the HOA fees made it that you have to be basically qualified for like a house that was like 700,000 versus the 500, 550 because of the HOA fees adding an additional $1,300 to your monthly, yeah. Mm -hmm. You just have to remember one more buyer mistake that I see a lot is that buyers, um, they're just as sassy as you were, <laughs> right? With, yeah. with counters and everything. And I have to stop a buyer and say, listen, if you love this home as your next five to 10, you know, your forever home right now, mm -hmm. then why in the world would you let uh, however much it is come between, you know, it might be 5,000, whatever it is. If I've proven to you that the comp is there, it's a great investment, you love the house. All right, let's take the sass off. And I don't know what happened between you and the seller, yes. but you can't lose this house over, you know, a couple of thousand dollars, which is only affecting your yes. note a couple of hundred. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, and that's what my, 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 my agent was like, I could tell she was just breathing deep. Like, <laughs> no, she, this is so beautiful. It's so perfect. It's in your neighborhood. It's around the corner. Well, it's what you it's want it. Yeah, literally, because like, I even had like some random on my day. I would love views of New York City, but like, what is it? And literally you walk in and you're like, it looks like a picture window, like the whole wall. And all you see is the New York City skyline. And everyone in that in that building is like, you should see the 4th of July. Um, you should see um, um, New Year's Eve, that the fireworks display. And I just was like, so she was like, because in the moment I was just angry, like that it seemed like the but I'm like, but she doesn't know you. This The buyer does not know you, Tiffany. Like this is not a personal. So I was so glad that I was able to work through that and get the, you know, the home that I really wanted. And I really do love it. And, and yeah, and I'm renovating now. And it's, you know, literally it's like some paint. She had a lot of wallpaper, which came off in a day. And so, yeah, the renovations, you know, should be done. And next, I did, and I said that I was like, "Thank God, I you know, like thank God for Rihanna," because she was like, "Girl, I was like, do I have to spank Tiffany? Like, what is happening?" <laughs> so, is there anything else? Like, as we, so what? Are you, how about this? We'll end with this. Like, what are some of your predictions based upon you know you've been in this this industry for twenty years? What are you like? What are your spidey senses telling you about like what might home ownership and buying and things and selling? What might, what do you see in the next five to 10 years that is there any new trends, you know, something that we should look out for? Like, what are you thinking? And Tiffany, I had to stop making predictions mm -hmm. because 
I was like, some days I'm right, some days I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, I said, let me just live in today and we can talk about 30 days ago and maybe 30 days ahead, right? So I tell people, you know, I, I have, I got I got my real estate license in 2003, opened my first brokerage in 2006, had it for 15 years, but I moved back home here. So I've been in a, I don't want to discount a recession, but a, a much bigger recession and a housing crash. I was in it for the 2007 one. Mm -hmm. um, and what I have learned from there, and then came into the seller's market in 2016, and then who knows what just happened in 2020, you know, with that birth, <laughs> well, with interest rates dropping. This is what I've learned, that you have to pay attention to daily interest rates and what's going on in our government, you know, and, and then follow the successful people in real estate that you admire. So I am an Inman junkie. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Tony Robbins says that success leaves clues. You have to follow, you know, whoever you're, even if it's a mentor in your head. I didn't have a mentor in real estate, you know, when, as I was growing up in real estate, unfortunately I had to learn the hard way, you know, um, because I was working in my business and not on it. You have to look around what's ahead of the curve. You have to keep reading what's going on in finance and, you know, with our government in commercial Commercial. Commercial is about, it's plummeting. Commercial real estate is plummeting. You know, what does that mean for, you know, residential? So you have to take the responsibility of looking in your immediate market as well as around the country of what's going on so that we can predict what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years. Um, right now, I'm telling people buy and hold. I mean, in California, New York, New Jersey, you know, we're, we're high no matter what happens in the world, right? So you, there's still room to flip and do all that fun stuff, which I built my business on. But if you can buy and hold properties right now and still be able to rent them, house hack. I wish I was told to house hack at when I first got in real estate instead of just buying my first home, like that debt to income ratio we're talking about. I didn't, I didn't have anybody to tell me that. I would have been a house hacking fool. You know what I'm saying? I would have never had to pay my mortgage, not one day. So if you can house hack, you know, um, interest rates are not killing us. In the 6% range, they're still okay. Especially okay. if you can get that good deal, you know, get them to tick down and look at the long term. So then five to 10 years, no matter where we are, you own an asset, you have a property, you know, and you will be able to do something with it. Even if that means that asset is paying your minimum, minimum living requirements, that's still an asset. So yes. look for something you can buy and hold, duplex, triplex, quad, small apartment building, house hack, you know, mm -hmm. that's where I am. So just for, for clarity, for people might say, what's house hacking? Can you just describe real quick? So house hacking is basically when you um, buy a, a more than one property, so a multifamily unit, and those units are paying your entire mortgage and hopefully then some so that you can pay for repair, not only repairs and your taxes and insurance, but also pay for some of your lifestyle. So, well, there goes my necklace. So um, that's what house hacking is. You, you buy one unit and then you rent, or maybe even Airbnb, the other two to three, four units out, and then those units are paying for your entire mortgage. Yes. While you're living. I love that, super smart. So Paige, it's been so awesome having you on today. I feel like I learned so much. I don't feel so bad about, you know, trying to get $100,000 off my condo. <laughs> so that's one. I also know that I totally take your advice. Although I plan on keeping my condo, I too like to like to renovate in a way that's traditional and then add the funk with like, you know, like my couch and my decorations and things like that. So that's my plan for us. You know, I'm going to take that advice and do that as well. Um, is there anything else that we didn't talk about and that you'd like to share? Like maybe one lasting piece of advice. And also, 
where can the people find you and connect with you? Well, Tiffany, thank you for having me. You know, Brown Ambition again. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and I'm so proud of you. I mean, you know, you you said so much that is so encouraging to myself, to your listeners. You know, here you are in your beautiful brown skin, doing it and doing it well, and taking those chances. Even you know, offering a hundred thousand dollars less. But guess what? It was cash. You know, we should all aspire to do that. You know, that's always number one, right? Um, one thing I wanted to say, though, that's good for when you do close on your home, you can make it your own with the, you know, mixing textiles with your staging. But also, you mentioned um, wallpaper, like removable wallpaper is a thing. You don't have to put up old school wallpaper that will stick forever. And then that way, if you get tired of your own wallpaper every quarter, you can change it up, you know? So you know, there are a lot of cute things you can do in your home that won't cost a lot. Adding, you know, woods, wooden slats to a wall that you can get from Amazon you know, to add a feature wall. There's a lot you can do as a buyer. Okay. Um, and that's good to remove when you become a seller. Nice and easy. Um, so I forgot the last question. <laughs> no, because the last question is just like, where can people find you? I feel like oh, they're going to listen God. and be like, I want to learn more. I want to watch her show. You are so fun to talk to. You can't be over already, Tiffany. I'm like, there's no more questions. Wait a minute. We can do this for a couple more hours. Um, you can find my show, Fix My Flip. We are in the middle of season two on HGTV. It's also streaming on the all new Max, which I'm so excited about. And if you don't know, Max is the newly revised version of HBO Max. It's now called Max. You can catch up on season one and also check out the episodes that have already aired on, uh, for season two of Fix My Flip. It's such um, a blessing to have the platform on HGTV. TV and I'm able to share with great platforms like yours. I'm on Instagram at Paige Turner Unlimited and also on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. Um, and yeah, that's that's me. I'm just so happy to have been here with you. No, thank you. For, are you going to write a book, Paige? You have a book? I do have a book. I wrote it in 2029. 2029, Lord, in 2019. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit and then I got all out of the stores, but it is on Amazon. Um, I'm gonna, okay. I think I'm going to relaunch it. It's a good book. It's a, it's called The Go Life. Go is an acronym for seizing your greatest opportunity now and not to mismanage your season. So um, it, it, you can definitely tell that I'm a real estate flipper <laughs> because I have just so many analogies to, you know, the housing market, but, you know, and how... Um, you know, I've been able to seize my greatest opportunity. So it's called The Go Life. It's on Amazon and it's a fun book. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. We certainly would love to have you back again. So go ahead and follow Paige Turner Unlimited on all the socials and yeah, and just, and watch her, her show. So thank you. Oh yeah. And Tiffany, Fix My Flip is on every Thursday at 9, 8 central. We're on primetime, baby. Listen, you're doing primetime. I'm primetime. Let's go. You know? I love it. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, y'all. We will see you next week. Actually, we'll see you on Friday for our BAQA. You know, if you have questions that need answers when it comes to business, career, or money, you can ask them um, and we will answer them on BAQA. So see you guys on Friday. And Paige, I will see you hopefully one day soon. Very Bye. soon. Thank you, Tiffany. Hey, BA fam, we could not do this show without your support or the support of our team behind the scenes. The Brown Ambition podcast is produced by Imani Crosby and Dennis Stemplinski is our in-house tech guru. I am your co-host, Mandy Woodruff Santos, and we will see y'all next week, BA fam. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. 
The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets Podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.